Well, hello, friends. Welcome into this online space together. My name's Brad. I'm part of the teaching and leadership team here at Jericho Ridge. Now, if you haven't figured it out already, one of the limitations of this medium of online church is that I'm sitting here talking to a camera and it's kind of a one-way means of communication. I can't communicate directly in real time with you in a conversational format. I mean, I might be preaching away and thinking things are going great and you might be yelling at your TV in disagreement. And I can't know that. Maybe it's better that I don't know that. But it's a limitation of not being together in person where you can read things like body language and where uh, I'll often ask people to participate in the conversation by shouting out an answer or engaging in some response in some way. One-way conversations are just harder. Some of you as teachers uh, navigating online education or some of you as parents have experienced this. You feel like you're talking, but you're not sure if anyone is tracking with you or listening. And sometimes prayer can feel that way. If you've been on a faith journey for any length of time, you've likely had experiences where you pray and you feel like maybe you're just talking to an empty room, or even worse, a non-responsive heaven. Well, today we're going to wrap up our series in the book of Daniel by looking at Daniel chapter 9, and it records a prayer of Daniel, a prayer conversation, really, that Daniel had. And we're going to see some intriguing components of this prayer, which if you and I are willing to experiment with and incorporate some of them, they may just help you experience breakthrough in your own prayer journey. So let's dive into this together. Chapter 9 uh, opens up in the same year as our timeline in chapter 6 last weekend wrapped up. Daniel is spending time, it says, reading from the word of the Lord as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet. And he's reading the text in Jeremiah 29, verse 10, which speaks of God's heart for the ancient Hebrew people as they are being sent away into exile and captivity. It might be a verse that you're familiar with. Jeremiah 29, 10, you will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then God says, I will come to you and do for you all of the good things I have promised. I will bring you home again, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Verse 12, in those days when you pray, I will listen, and if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity, restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you, and I will bring you home again to your own land. And so Daniel's reading this, and he starts to do the math because See, he was among those taken in forced captivity as a young man, and he's adding up the number of years that he's lived in Babylon, and he realizes, we've been here for 69 years. And God promised that after 70 years, the exiles would come to an end, and people would be gathered up from all of the nations, and they would return to their land. And so Daniel, in chapter 9, takes an interesting posture. Instead of sitting around and thinking, great, going home, I'll just sit here and twiddle my thumbs and wait, he drops to his knees. Look with me at Daniel chapter 9, verse 3. It says, so I turned to the Lord 
and I pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. This is the first prayer lesson we see in this chapter. That for Daniel and for us, moving to prayer is actually an active, not a passive posture. Sometimes I hear conversation when a person's in a place of need and others around them ask, oh, can we do anything for you? You know, other than just pray for you. The assumption built into that is that prayer is kind of a passive thing. What we really need to do is just get up there and get something done to help a person out. And certainly there's a time and place for that. But Daniel reads about the prophetic word, realizes that time's almost up. God's promise has not yet come to fruition. And he doesn't jump up and call a town hall meeting to share his Bible study findings with the other exiles. He immediately hits his knees in prayer. And this is an active kind of prayer. In addition to the words of his prayer, he adds to that a decision to fast, which is to say that he abstained from food for a period of time for the purpose of more focused prayer. And he changes his clothes. He actually puts on burlap, like that's super itchy. And he sprinkles ashes on himself. And these are culturally consistent ways in the ancient world of expressing grief. These are things that you would have done at a funeral if someone died. You say, well, why is Daniel doing them? Daniel is doing them because he realizes as he's reading Jeremiah's prophetic word that it has said, in those days, you will look for me wholeheartedly and you will find me. And Daniel realizes people are not looking wholeheartedly for God. They're busy going about their own business. They're occupied with anything and everything but seeking the Lord. And so Daniel experiences a profound grief over this, and it moves him to action in prayer. Friends, as I read this this week, I was struck and convicted by the question, when was the last time that the spiritual lostness of the people in our city moved me to prayer, moved you to prayer. I was reminded and convicted this week reading this text that God is always in the business of seeking to bring people home. God is always in the business of listening to people actively when they pray. God is always about the business of being found by people who are searching for him. But the real question is, are we about that business. And Jericho, I want to encourage you and let you know that in this season of being online, we have seen many people who are spiritually seeking join us in our online gatherings. And then we're seeing them email our staff and come across the parking lot and meet with us. See, we're not interested as a faith community in this season of just being passive and waiting until we can do quote unquote real church. We're finding ways to get creative and to have an impact on the lives of people in our neighborhoods and schools and workplaces. And many of you are active in that. And so we thank you for your partnership and for your prayers. And the other thing that I want to say is that if you're a spiritual seeker and you're joining us in this space, you need to know that you are welcome 
here with us and that we would love to get to know you more so that we can serve you well. So if you've never done it, if you would do me a favor, take a minute, fill out the 30-second connect card at jerichoridge.com connect or on our online platform and we'll be in touch. We would love for you to join us this fall as we move into hosting watch parties of our live stream in our facility starting on September the 13th. Because we're here to help you. We're here to help spiritual seekers take next steps in a vibrant and life-changing relationship with God. And that's what motivates us to places of prayer. And so again, I just want to remind you that if you are joining us and you want us to pray for you and you're watching on the online platform, just click request prayer and one of the staff will be in contact with you. If you're watching YouTube or non-live, simply email prayer at jerichorich.com and we will be happy to join you in a conversation with God. Let's go back to our text. And so we see here that not only does Daniel incorporate prayer and fasting and burlap and ashes into his prayer practice, look at where he goes next in Daniel chapter nine, verse four. He says, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, O oh Lord, you are a great and awesome God. You always fulfill your covenant and keep your promises of unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commands. See, Daniel begins his prayer with acknowledging the greatness and the power of God. That's why, friends, we begin our times together with worship in song. It's not that we think that your family members need to hear you sing on your couch in your living room. It's that we believe that music has a powerful way of giving voice to the truth of what we believe about God. That God is great and powerful and awesome and God is faithful and loving and God keeps God's promises. And I don't know about you, but I need to be reminded about that in seasons like we find ourselves in right about now. And so worship forms a component part of our times together. And so that's where Daniel goes to adoration and praise and acknowledgement of who God is. But then he names something else, not only who God is, but who he is and where he and his people have fallen short. And the scriptures use a very specific word to describe this. It's the word sin. Look with me at Jan Daniel chapter 9, verse 5. But we, Daniel says, have sinned. We have done wrong. We have rebelled against you, God. We have scorned your commands and regulations. We've refused to listen to your servants, the prophets, who spoke on your authority who, to our kings and princes and ancestors and to the people of the land. Lord, you are right. But as you see, our faces are covered with shame, and this is true of all of us, including the people of Judah, Jerusalem, all of Israel scattered near and far, wherever you have driven us because of our disloyalty to you. See, Daniel realizes that God has sent the people into exile because of their waywardness, and that despite God's corrective and loving discipline, the people were still wayward. But he doesn't try to sort of put that to the side and convince God of how amazing he has been, he uses language of us, we. Daniel doesn't just pray for those people over there who are really bad. You know, those exiles who are super sinners, who are still totally not following God. Daniel, the person whom we've encountered time and time again as 
a person who has a strong trust in God, who has a strong relationship with God, who's a righteous person, still includes himself in prayers of confession for himself and for his people. We have rebelled against you. We have refused to listen. We have been disloyal to you. See, friends, it's pretty easy to identify sin in other people or other cultures or other groups, but it can be harder to identify sins and own and identify ones that we are complicit in or sometimes blind to. Sins like systemic economic injustice, sins like structures that support and purport racism, sins like ignoring the cries of widows and orphans or people who are poor. And this is one reason why the Bible teaches us that we are all sinners. We have turned each and every one of us and all of us collectively to our own ways. There is no one righteous, no, not one. See, that's what Daniel is acknowledging in his prayer. That none of us can stand before God and say, well, God, I think I was actually a pretty good person. I mean, I, I didn't kill anybody. I didn't rob a bank. I didn't commit serial adultery like those people. But friend, the scripture brings us back time and time again to the truth that we have all sinned. We've all done wrong. I am a sinner. You are a sinner. And because of that, the Lord is right in his justice and his judgment against unrighteousness. And that is the bad news. But there's also profound good news that Daniel highlights in his prayer. Lest you think that the Old Testament is all about some kind of angry God, Daniel continues with a powerful truth in Daniel chapter 9, verse 9. He says, but the Lord is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. And then Daniel just reminds himself and us of a history lesson. He goes all the way back in his prayer to the Exodus to recount God's goodness and mercy. In verse 15, he tells the story of the Exodus, of God's merciful rescue of the people of Egypt, a people of Israel from slavery in Egypt. A great display of God's power. And Daniel recounts how the people were still unfaithful, but God was still a God of faithful mercy. Friends, we're forgetful people. That's why we take time to tell stories here at Jericho about the lives of people and the life of our community and God's power and mercy on full display to us. That's why we tell the story of how God miraculously provided this building for us. Or, for example, the story of Tom and Jesse's lives who were baptized on the August long weekend. Because we need to remind ourselves that the Lord listens, that the Lord forgives, and that the Lord acts in mercy on our behalf.
Then in Daniel chapter 9, verse 20, Daniel takes a dramatic turn as he goes on praying and confessing his own sin and the sins of his people. We see that he receives a response from God. It's a conversation. He receives a vision, an angelic messenger, Gabriel, with a response to his prayer. And Daniel has a number of these visions in the remainder of the book. They're dramatic and powerful insights from God that you can study on your own. And he writes down uh, and they form the basis of hope for the people of God who wait in exile. There's two things that I want to pull out and leave you with uh, as they are consistent characteristics of God's response to Daniel's prayer. And the first one is that God continuously reminds Daniel that he is very precious to God. And the second thing that always comes up in God's response is an invitation to listen carefully so that you can understand. And friends, that same thing is true for you and I today. Maybe what you need to hear more than anything is that you are very precious to God. Some of you have been damaged by a theology that has taught you and left you feel like you're worth nothing. And that if you do something wrong, that God will just discard you forever. And you've done something wrong and you feel hopeless and you feel useless. And you may have done things that you're ashamed of and you think, well, God or other people will never talk to me again. And the response to Daniel is the same response that God wants to give you today. Chapter 9, verse 23. You are very precious to God. Chapter 10, verse 10, you are very precious to God. Some of you might need to hear that. I know I need to be reminded of that. Every day when I read my Bible and do my journaling, I start my journal as if God is writing a note to me. And I always start it this way after I write down a scripture that stuck out to me from my reading. I start it by saying, as if God's saying to me, my son whom I love, today I want to tell you. And then I write down whatever I feel like God has been saying to me in our prayer conversation that morning. And so that's the thing I want to leave us with as we talk about prayer as a conversation. Friends, if God is speaking to you, you and I need to take a posture of listening. Listening carefully so that we can understand and so that we can obey. And my hope and my prayer for you and for myself is that when God speaks, you and I will have ears to hear what God is saying, and we will have a responsive and willing heart to obey. We're going to pray together, and I'm just going to begin our time of prayer with just a few moments of silence, just an invitation to just allow your heart to be quiet and to hear God speaking to you. Let's just practice silence for a few minutes together, friends. Jesus, we acknowledge that you're always speaking Holy Spirit, you are kind 
and gracious. God, we acknowledge and confess our sins to you and how that creates a barrier between you and us. And so in this moment, we ask for your mercy and kindness. We ask for your, a reminder of your love. We lean on and desire to experience your faithfulness and your mercy in every aspect of our lives, individually and corporately. And so we say all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to move into a time of responding to God in worship. And then after that, I'll come back and we'll pray together and we'll do a responsive prayer, uh, which is a prayer of confession as we move into our week.